0: Welcome to the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, and I'm here to tell you about some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters that have made an impact on the Central California Valley community. Are you ready to hear a Notorious Bakersfield story? Good. Let's get started welcome to the 18th episode of the notorious bakersfield podcast now that september is over this is actually the fourth month since the launch of this podcast i don't know about you but i'm so happy fall is here i was sick of a hundred plus degree days those get real old real fast and now that october is here that means halloween the Notorious Bakersfield Halloween Tour is now available for purchase. It's a self-paced audio tour that to some of Bakersfield's historical crime scenes, purported Honda locations, and a couple of really creepy areas. For $20, you can download the tour and load your car full of your family and friends and take them on the creepiest ride of their lives. I've notified everybody who has to be notified before it was released. If you'd like to take this tour email NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. There's no space between Notorious and Bakersfield. You can also find the tour information on the Notorious Bakersfield social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, let's jump into this week's subject. Since the Notorious Bakersfield podcast has been heavy on true crime lately, I decided to change gears for this episode. I enjoy covering true crime stories, but personally, it does take a toll, and sometimes I need to look away for a bit. And that's what I'm doing with this episode. Today, I'm profiling Wiley and Grace Doris, each individually, in their own right, made a mark on this community. But as a couple, they were a force to be reckoned with. In today's world, they'd be considered a Bakersfield power couple. Even though you may not recognize their names, I guarantee you their legacies have impacted your life. Wiley Doris was one of the most respected criminal defense attorneys in Bakersfield. If you found yourself on the wrong side of the law, Wiley was the guy you wanted in your corner. But overshadowing his courtroom triumphs was his wife's political activism and electoral comeback victories. Grace Doris was one of the first women in the United States to be elected to public office. She was elected to the California Assembly in 1918. Yes, three years before the United States as a whole granted women the right to even vote, Bakersfield citizens elected a woman to the California legislature to represent them. This is the story of Wiley and Grace Doris. Wiley Casey Doris was born in Alturas, California in 1887. He was one of 13 children born to parents Cyrus and Elizabeth Doris. The Doris family was an early California pioneering family. His parents homesteaded land in what is now San Francisco. And the small northern California town of Doris in Siskiyou County is named after his family. And when I say small I mean small. It has a population of about 900 people. Wiley attended schools in Alturas, but dropped out before graduating from high school. He worked odd jobs and moved aimlessly around Northern California. Wiley was struggling to find his way in life before he moved back to Alturas. Realizing the importance of a high school diploma, he returned to Alturas and started taking classes at the Modoc County High School to get his diploma. Grace Doris was born Grace Story McMillan in Ventura, California. She also was born in 1887. When Grace was a year old, her mother passed away, and her care fell to her aunt Jeannie Green, who later adopted her. And with that adoption, little Grace Story McMillan became Grace Story Green. Grace attended Santa Barbara Public Schools, When she graduated from high school, she went off to the University of California in Berkeley, where she earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in 1909. After a year of postgraduate study, she began her teaching career in San Rafael. She taught high school English, Latin, French, and Spanish. Grace was passionate about women's suffrage she felt women were entitled to every right that men were entitled to. She knew that gaining that equality would never become a reality until women were given the right to vote. Living in San Rafael placed Grace at the epicenter of the suffrage movement, the San Francisco Bay Area. When it was decided that California voters would ultimately decide that question in the 1911 California elections, Grace volunteered her time, and energy. She helped organize rallies and meetings and talk to voters in markets and on streets. Her hard work and the hard work of countless others paid off. The women's suffrage amendment barely passed by California voters by only 3,587 votes. What's interesting about that election is that the amendment lost in San Francisco, the heart of the suffrage movement, and barely passed in Los Angeles. It was the rural areas that helped carry the amendment over the threshold. And because of that, women in California gained the right to vote nine years before the United States passed the 19th Amendment, making it a protected right across the entire country. After the 1911 election, Grace then took a teaching position with the Modoc County High School in Alturas. And that is where Grace and Wiley's paths crossed. Wiley was taking classes to get his high school diploma, and Grace was Wiley's English teacher. And before you get creeped out, they were the same age, both in their early 20s, probably 22 or 23 years old. After Wiley earned his diploma with the urging of Grace, he entered the University of Southern California to study law. When Wiley went off to USC, Grace took a job in Bakersfield at Kern Union High School, now Bakersfield High School. After graduating from USC and being admitted to the California State Bar, Wiley and Grace got married in 1913. With Grace living and working in Bakersfield, Wiley took his first lawyer job at a small office in Taft, California. But it only took a few months for the young attorney to discover he liked doing things his own way and didn't enjoy taking orders from someone else. So he established his own law firm in Bakersfield that would later become Doris Flaherty and Underhill. Everything was going smooth for the young couple for their first few years in Bakersfield. Wiley was busy making a name for himself in legal and political circles, and Grace was proving herself to be an effective and popular teacher. Things were going so good, in fact, that Wiley was considering to run for public office. In 1917, Wiley and Grace decided that he would run in the 1918 election for the California Assembly for the 56th Assembly District, that then included Bakersfield. Wiley declared his candidacy in early 1917. Then, on April 6, 1917, the United States entered the war to end all wars, World War I, And that's when everything changed for Wiley and Grace Doris. Their lives and future plans took a drastic detour. Wiley volunteered to join the United States Navy and went off to war. But before he did, the couple decided that Grace would run in his place for the California Assembly seat Wiley once aspired to. Grace paused her teaching career and threw her hat into the political arena. During this first bid for public office, Grace boldly proclaimed she supported full equality of men and women before the law. Grace went on to win both the Democratic and Republican nomination for the 56th California Assembly District. Now, I don't understand how that scenario came about, securing the nomination from both parties, but somehow it happened, and it happened often back then. So she entered the 1918 general election unopposed and naturally won. That same year, three other women won their general election to the California Assembly. The California voters sent a total of four women to the Assembly that year. In her first term, Grace Doris advocated a progressive agenda. Breaking up monopolies on land ownership, long-term low-interest loans for settlers. She wanted California to employ public defenders for indigent plaintiffs. But her focus was women's equality, especially community property issues. With World War One just ending, there was a sudden increase of widows who were saddled with an inheritance tax on community property. A tax that wasn't levied on widowers, just the women. Among the pieces of legislation she introduced and ultimately passed in her first term was a proclamation urging the United States Congress to pass the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote nationally, and a bill that shortened the workday of domestic servants to 10 hours. Evidently, her progressive agenda was too much for Bakersfield voters because she lost her primary nomination to a gentleman named Franklin Heck by only two votes. That narrow loss didn't stifle Grace Doris's determination. She launched a write-in campaign against Franklin Heck in the general election for November 1920, and she lost badly. The time away from the California legislature gave Grace Doris an opportunity to regroup and reassess her political future. By 1922, Grace was back in politics and won the next two elections for the assembly seat she lost in 1920. In 1927, Grace Doris retired from politics and went to work for her husband Wiley's law firm back in Bakersfield. Grace was the office's bookkeeper, investigator, receptionist. She was the jack of all trades. But her most effective role in the law firm was that of helping her husband hone his legal and courtroom strategies. There's not a lot of publicly available information about Wiley Doris or his early career after he got out of the Navy and while Grace was serving in the California Assembly. I assume he was busy reestablishing himself and his law practice. There's a few mentions of him in the Bakersfield Californian regarding some clients he represented, but overall, what's available is lacking. And what I was able to find isn't too flattering. In 1937, there was an incident of Wiley getting into a physical altercation where charges were filed and he was prosecuted. But thanks to Wiley's defense attorney, a mistrial was declared for three separate trials before the matter was dropped altogether. Yes, Wiley was smart enough to know a person who represents himself in court has a fool for an attorney. In 1938, trying to monopolize on his wife's electoral good fortune, Wiley Doris unsuccessfully ran for the Kern County District Attorney. That was followed by a series of other disappointing political campaigns for other lesser prominent offices. It wasn't until the mid-40s after World War II that Wiley's stature as a defense attorney began to rise. And by the end of the 1940s, there was no denying that Wiley Doris was the person you wanted on your side if you ever found yourself in legal hot water. The singular moment in Wiley's legal career that one can look to that gave the attorney his reputation as an effective and hard-hitting defense attorney in 1949 when corruption allegations were leveled against Bakersfield Police Chief Horace Grayson. Chief Grayson hired Wiley Doris as his attorney. Having the embattled police chief as a client helped elevate Wiley's profile, and when the police chief walked away with only a slap on the wrist, Wiley's reputation soared to new heights. I cover the Bakersfield police corruption scandal in its entirety in the 10th episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. So if you want to hear more about that, if you haven't already, go take a listen to that episode. So anyways, from that point on, whenever Wiley Doris was defense counsel for any notable criminal trial, you could count on the courtroom spectator gallery to reach capacity, and Wiley relished the spotlight. The attorney discovered the handy courtroom tactic of appearing not too bright. This strategy caught countless prosecution witnesses off guard who fell victim to his deceptive, folksy demeanor. Wiley was like an actor who found the perfect role. Arguing a case in front of a jury Became an art form for Wiley. It said the veteran attorney could cry on command when pleading a client's misfortune. For added dramatic flair, Wiley would pull out a handkerchief from his pocket to wipe away his own real tears. With these courtroom antics, Wiley not only moved courtroom spectators, but he often moved his targeted audience, the twelve jurors who sat in judgment of his client. It wasn't uncommon for the spectator gallery to erupt in applause after one of Wiley's closing arguments. Even though judges were accustomed to such reactionary outbursts to Wiley's polished performances, judges admonished the spectator's behavior nonetheless. In the mid-1950s, the city of Bakersfield had a plan to build an underpass on Chester Avenue, where the railroad tracks are. Just south of Truxton Avenue. You've probably driven under those tracks numerous times and never knew its controversial history. Like most road improvement projects any municipality undertakes, this one wasn't without its opponents. Downtown Bakersfield merchants argued that the project would cause traffic jams and delays. They proposed an alternative underpass at M or P Street, rather than Chester Avenue, downtown's main traffic artery. On the opposition's side was Wiley Doris. Wiley spoke against the Chester Avenue underpass at the project's planning meetings and endorsed the merchant's alternative underpass blocks away. Despite Wiley's support, the opposition's arguments were futile. The project was eventually greenlighted, and construction began on the Chester Avenue, Railroad Underpass. Late in the morning on December 23, 1957, Wiley Doris got into his car and pulled out of the Superior Court's parking lot. As Wiley drove over the railroad tracks on P Street, one of the alternative locations to the Chester Avenue underpass, Wiley Doris's car was struck by a westbound freight train. Wiley Casey Doris died instantly when the collision threw him from his vehicle. He was 70 years old. In an article printed in the Shafter Press memorializing the late attorney, this was stated, His talents shone most brilliantly in helping people in trouble who had no influence and little or no money. He could be viciously brilliant in attacking hypocrites and deflating Badly overinflated egos. Grace Doris continued to work for Wiley's law firm after his death and retired in 1964 at the age of 76. In retirement, she became active in a number of civic and community organizations. Grace Story Doris died December 29th, 1968, at the age of 81. Wiley and Grace Doris never had any children. What was especially frustrating to me is that there's so little information about Grace Doris. Here's a woman who was a trailblazer. Countless other women are following in her footsteps today. Her legacy is undeniable, yet She garners only a few mentions and a few books about women's suffrage and equal rights. And she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Yet her opponent in the 1920 election, Franklin Heck, he has a Wikipedia page. Heck's claim to fame is his single term as a California assemblyman. But Grace Doris and all she accomplished, nothing at all about her on Wikipedia. Resources used for this story were these newspapers. The Bakersfield Morning Echo, the Bakersfield Californian, the Shafter Free Press, and these books. Obscene in the Extreme, The Burning and Banning of John Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath, Californian Californians, Volume 4, Gendered Politics, Campaign Strategies of California Women Candidates, 1912-1970. through 1970. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast, and we'll be back next Tuesday with a new Notorious Bakersfield story. Remember to follow Notorious Bakersfield on your favorite podcast app. I hope everybody has a good week. Bye-bye.